Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see everyone. How is everybody? Good. Good to see you here. If you're in person, so excited that you've joined us. Uh, my name is Shane Hamm. I'm one of the pastors here at North Point Church. I also uh, want to say if you're online and you're participating in this service, we're excited that you're here participating. Make sure that you greet somebody. Send them an email. Send them a text. Bother them a lot, okay? And uh, that'd be awesome. Get social. Uh, by the way, if you are watching online, anytime, you just know if you want prayer and you're on our website, you can just, you can just click, I'd like prayer, and there are people that would love to pray with you or encourage you in whatever way possible. But uh, guys, I'm just so happy to be here. I uh, also want to give a special shout out because uh, today is a very special meeting at our Kerman campus where we're getting ready to launch at Easter. They're having a meeting today to organize into the volunteer teams that will be greeting and ushing and ushing and greeting and, you know, uh, singing and tech and all of those things. And they already have team captains for all the groups with the exception of tech. So that's a pretty cool achievement. Let's hear it for that. That's pretty great. Um, so we're going to be having that meeting as well as other meetings coming up at the end of February, as you know. Keep a lookout for that if you want to be a part of the Kerman uh, church plant. We would love for you to be a part of that. It's going to be a powerful evangelistic tool to reach people in that community. Now, hey, also just want to mention before we get started that lots of things are going on. You'll notice this little uh, brochure in your notes. Um, it has lots of information about things that are happening. I want to draw your attention particularly to the small groups or events for men and women. I know that our ladies are having a gathering coming up at the end of February. That's right. You can uh, shout for that one because those are, those are awesome. And uh, the ladies love those. Hundreds of women come out for those. It's a great place to meet people. Also, men, at the end of February, there is a barbecue that we're putting together for the guys. Bottom line is, we just want to get you connected to other people. And we know for men, that is done through food. And everybody said, amen. And so uh, that's why we're barbecuing. Of course, that's true of women, too. Women like food as much as the next guy, you know, so... Um, we want to get you connected to all these things. Also, just want to draw your attention to, you'll notice in this advertisement, there's something called the Monday Punch. If uh, you enjoy the weekend messages and they challenge you and you're encouraged by them, we are doing something called the Monday Punch where uh, we just do a devotional to kick off your week related to that weekend's message. And so if you'd like to sign up for that, just know that that's here to give the instructions on how to do that. Sound good? All right, grab your message notes if you would. Because we are in a series called Screen Time. And if you remember, we kicked off the series by talking last week about how do you apply good theology to your technology. If you remember, we looked at your phone and commented that this thing is more power than the computers that sent man to the moon. I mean, this thing is powerful. I showed you a picture. I'm not going to show it to you now, but I showed you last week that picture of the very first hard drive, and it had a whole storage capacity of, do you remember? Five megabytes. I mean, it could hold eight photos. I mean, it was awesome. Now, here's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about, does God care about how you interact with people online? Now, I've told you this before. There are a couple of things that I absolutely love about Christianity. One of the things is I love Christianity's truth statements or its doctrines. It's perspective on some of the ultimate questions of the universe because the Bible gives such sound and rational evidence and reasons for things. By the way, I want to mention, 
Before I go any farther, there is a new opportunity related to what I just said. We're starting a ministry here at North Point called Alpha, and it really is just a place where you can explore these big questions. Uh, And by the way, you don't have to be a Christian. In fact, we'd love it if non-Christians would come because it's a safe place where no matter what your worldview is, you can come and eat and drink. By the way, food is involved, uh, high hospitality, and you can get with other people and just explore ideas. But it's going to be called Alpha. Um, We are wanting to put together, well, we have a great leadership team for it, but if you want to be a part of that, especially if you're gifted in the areas of hospitality or prayer, we'd love for you to be a part of that. Alpha, Monday nights, they're meeting to start February the 28th. So make sure that you check out the website, take a look at Alpha, it's pretty awesome. But, see, one of the claims of Christianity that I love when we talk about doctrine or beliefs is this. All human persons are made in the image of God. Now, this is not in your notes, but let's just look at this for fun, shall we? Everybody wanna have fun? All right, let's look at this. Look at the scripture, it says, then God said, let's say it together, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So listen. The Bible says that no matter who you are or where you come from, no matter what your record is, it doesn't matter what you've done in life, how low you've gotten, every human person is made in the image of God and reflects God. Therefore, there is rock-solid, objective, irreducible glory and significance, and value, and worth in your life. About you and every human being there's ever been, there is value and significance. Now, why is that so crucial in our culture today? I'm going to tell you why. Quite a few years ago, I remember hearing the story of a doctor. And at the time he was a resident, he was at a teaching hospital. And uh, he was doing rounds under the leadership of a, of a doctor. And, uh, they, they, you know, they were discussing this case. And um, they were discussing this woman. And part of the woman's problem that they were discussing was she was depressed. And, of course, this young doctor, the student, being a, a believer, said, you know, one of the things that we can do that doesn't even take a lot of medicine or anything is we just have to reassure her that she is a valuable, worthwhile human being. She has dignity as a human being. You know what the doctor said, the teaching doctor, looked at that young learner and said, how do you know that? And the younger residents, they began to scoff a little bit, thinking it was a joke, but he wasn't joking. And so this teaching doctor said, look, we're scientists here. He says, science says that human beings are more complex, but there is absolutely no scientific basis for saying that you have dignity, or that you have value, or that you have worth. Come on, he says to this young guy, don't push your quasi-religious or religious views on this woman. By the way, biologically, in a sense, The teaching doctor is right. There is absolutely no scientific, biological basis for saying that human beings have rights or dignity or value. 
It was why the famed atheist Bertrand Russell said this. I put this on the screen for you. He said, we are the product of causes that had no... that had no prevision of the end they were achieving. The hopes, fears, loves, and beliefs of our minds are just the outcome of the accidental collocation of atoms. (laughs) I heard, oh brother, okay. Isn't that encouraging, by the way? (laughs) Or the famed chief justice from a long time ago, Oliver Wendell Holmes, there's a famous quote where he wrote scientifically, major intellectual person in the early 20th century. He says, scientifically, I see no reason for attributing to a man a significance different from that which belongs to a baboon or a grain of sand. The doctor says, scientifically, we're more complex, but significant, valuable. Nature kills us off like everything else. Now, guys, I want to ask you if you already see the problem that I'm going to get to. Listen. We live in a secular society today that even secular therapists will tell you, oh, you're so valuable. Oh, you have such dignity and worth. Therapists who don't even believe in God will tell you that. You're such a valuable human being, yet the philosophy of secularism has no basis for that. G.K. Chesterton, he, ta- he, he would joke about the contradiction. He was a great Christian thinker. And one day he said sarcastically, I don't have this quote, I'll just tell you. He said, you know, as a politician, the secular person will cry out that war is a waste of life. But then the same secular philosopher will admit that all life is just a waste of time. He goes on and he says, you know, the secular person goes first to a political meeting where he complains that the natives are being treated as if they were beasts, but then he goes to a scientific meeting where he tries to prove that we are nothing more than beasts. Don't you see the contradiction? There's a problem with that. But now let me go back to where I started. Here's the reason I love Christianity. Because of Christianity and because of the doctrine of the image of God, you can say to people, grounded in ultimate reality, listen, God doesn't make junk. You are made in the image of God. You have value. You have worth. You are significant. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter, again, how far you've gone. Friend, listen to me. You are valuable to God. Now, what does that have to do with what we're talking about today? Well, if it's true that all people are made in the image of God, I'm going to ask you, does God care how you interact with people who are made in his image. I think so. I think this is why C.S. Lewis, one of my favorites, he put it this way. He said, there are no ordinary people. He says, you know, you've never really talked to a mere mortal because he was reflecting on the image of God. In fact, he said, your neighbor is the holiest object that ever gets presented to your senses. How do you treat the people you engage with? He understood this because he's made in the image of God. So, what do we have here? We have this man, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, would you sum up life for me? What must I do to inherit the kingdom 
of God. What must I do to get entrance into eternal life? In other words, what do I need to do to please God? And Jesus replied by affirming the Jewish Shema, and he says, let's look at it again. Megan read this. He said, you will, let's read it, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and you are to And he puts that right in there. Jesus says, do this and you will live. But then the man wants to justify himself because he may say, I love the Lord God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. He may say, I've done all of those things, but probably he's thinking, oh, the neighbor part, that's a problem. So he wants to justify himself. That's what it said. He wants to justify himself. So he says, a little clarification, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus just totally shocks the world because what he ultimately says is, he says, your neighbor is the person least like you. Your neighbor is the person that you're most likely to despise. Your neighbor is the opposite of a person that you would call friend. See, by choosing a Samaritan, if you remember the story, Jesus is saying, your neighbor by the world's standards goes completely against cultural norms. You should call this person your enemy. You should hate them. And guys, this would have staggered, by the way, everybody listening to this. A Samaritan? That even your enemy is made in the image of God? Now, that's why I want to talk to you on that basis alone of how do we make our platforms that we're on less polarizing toward people as believers? How do we live differently? How do we treat people with the dignity that they deserve as God's image bearers? Now, here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to go through as quickly as I can uh, just some personal confessions. So this is confession day for Shane. Does that sound good? And I'm just going to share with you where I struggle. Does that sound good? And maybe you can relate to some of these. Probably not because you're not nearly the sinner that I am. But I'm going to do my best. Here we go. Let's go over these. I want to start with an easy one. Here's one way that I struggle with treating people as God's image bearers and treating them well, especially on social media. I, I mentioned this one last week. This is just review, but write it down. I can ignore the people around me because I'm just too busy looking at the screen. Write that down. I end up ignoring the people around me. Of course, we talked a lot about this, as I said last week. Um, In case you weren't here, I thought it worthwhile on touching this again. Do you remember the pictures that I started with as a commentary on our current situation? Remember, I showed this one for some of you that might remember that. And I asked, does this sentiment mean anything to you? Can you relate to this? Or there was this one, if you remember. In fact, uh, let me show you a couple of cartoons that I didn't show you last week. I thought this was kind of funny. Uh, Take a look at this. The husband's there with the wife, and she says, do you mind if I strap your phone to my forehead so I can pretend that you're looking at me when I talk? (laughs) Any any ladies relate to that? Ouch! Here's another one, and this is a more serious one, how it just takes you away from the ones sitting right next to you. Now, this one... This one is a profound spiritual truth. It's a very sad truth that you could be sitting at a table with everybody in your family and you could be more interested in what a stranger has to say on your phone, what they're thinking and saying than the people that are right in front of you or around you. That's pretty sad. 
And based on the statistics last week, people check their phone, if you remember, every 12 minutes on average, that's 80 times a day for the average person. If you're an average human being, you will live 27,375 days. That means if you put it all together, 11 years of your life are spent doing this. Now, I'm gonna tell you, if you're gonna spend 11 years of your life doing that, you are not gonna be very good at real relationships. So personal confession, I have struggled with that. Hold me accountable, I'm trying to get better. Sound good? Second confession, write this down, maybe you can relate. I can be drawn into unproductive arguments. <laughs> can anybody here relate to that? Could you be honest? I mean, this is super easy to get drawn into this stuff. Have you ever heard somebody on social media just say something that you think is totally outrageous and you got offended by it really quickly? Has that ever happened? Give me a show of hands. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Admit it online. Say, that's me. And what you think is they've said something that really bothers you and what you think is, I, I'm going to tell them off. I need to set them straight. Clearly, they're stupid. And I am not, you know. And every bone in your body, you, you just want to obliterate them. Who will admit that? It is so easy to get drawn into an argument. And believe me, I understand when you feel as though someone is not representing reality well. But let me read something to you. The scripture says, the Bible says, don't have anything to do with foolish and what? because you know that they cause quarrels. You know, sometimes we get so hung up on the facts that we miss that the facts are less important than the person. And it's so important that we prove that we're right. I'll never forget my premarital counseling. Uh, my premarital counselor asked me when my wife and I were going through that all oh, decades and decades and decades ago now. Um, he said, look, when you get in an argument, you gotta ask yourself one question. Would you rather be right? Or happy? Well, that's a good question. Heaven forbid that you would say right. <laughs> I gotta be right, you know. Because you're gonna be right and you're gonna be lonely. <laughs> or 2 Timothy 2.14 that says, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warned them for, before God against quarreling about what? Which is of no value and it only ruins those who listen. God says these things are useless and they're of help to no one. And on social media, here's what's really funny, because what happens is there are people that really, they just want to hook you. I mean, there are trolls out there that all they love to do is fight. Do you know that's true? I saw a picture of one of these online trolls. I thought it was kind of funny. If you throw this, throw this on the big screen too, you know, the hard knock life of an internet troll. Long, greasy hair. Who has time to cut their hair? They're too busy online. You know, big belly full of vitriol and Cheetos. <laughs> you know, pale indoor complexion because he never goes out. But you've got these people, you know, and they're just online. And these people, they're just looking for a fight. And here's what happens. Their adrenaline actually shoots up when they hook you for a fight. Guys, I'm just going to say something to you. They don't even care what you believe. They just want to fight you about it. They like to argue. And you think, well, I'm going to set them straight. I'm going to convince them. You don't get it. That's not going to work. 
Because it doesn't matter what you say, they want to fight with you. There is, that is an actual mental problem. Do you know that? People that just, there's something that, it, it, it does something for them to fight. And so you keep responding back and forth and it's just a waste of time. Look at this scripture. Notice this. Proverbs says, just as charcoal and wood keep a fire going, a troublemaker keeps an argument going. Just circle a troublemaker. Because you've got to ask, is that what I want to be? A troublemaker? No. No. That God, he puts it this way. He says, don't answer their foolish arguments. He says, the danger is you're going to become as foolish as they are. You're going to look as dumb as they do. Now, let me give you another. Man, I'm full of sin, aren't I? My terrible ways. Let me give you another confession. AJ, thank you for that acknowledgement. Okay, here we go. This one is huge. Write this down. When I'm on social media, I can struggle with people my neighbors who are made in the image of God because I can worry excessively over how I'm perceived. Now, we all do that. That is a very human thing to do. But here's the problem. If I don't remember that I'm made in the image of God and I try and get my self-worth by manipulating how others perceive me, because guys, I'm just gonna tell you right now, I am a classic people pleaser. I am. I will go out of my way hoping that you're happy with something I've done or the way that I've been. But you know what I should be focused on? I should be secure that I'm made in the image of God. And so I have value regardless of what you think. But I should just be focused on because I'm made in his image. He's who I care about. You know what I should be focused on? This is the scripture that came to me. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew's gospel. It says, you can be sure that on judgment day, you will have to give an account to God of every careless word you have spoken. By the way, that includes the ones you've written on social media, on the internet. Listen, guys, you know this. What you put on the internet, I mean, you know it. It is permanent, isn't it? It is global, it is searchable. It is never gonna go away. You stay stuff on the internet thinking it's no big deal. You're in high school, let's say in here, you're in college in here, and you think, well, I can just say that because I'm just mad at whomever. And then 20 years later, you're gonna pull it out at your Senate hearing. You said this. Anybody of you know the name Joe Rogan? What causes us to get hooked into some arguments or causes us to care so much about how we're perceived. In a word, it's this. It's ego. It's pride. And it's not ego in a good way. Proverbs 13.10 says that it's pride that leads to arguments. And anywhere that you find conflict, someone's ego is usually involved. So you know what you need? You need a good dose of humility. (laughs) You need a good dose of just saying, my worth comes from God, I don't need to be all that, or prove myself. Now, speaking of ego, here's another personal confession. I can be tempted to compete and show off online. I can be tempted to compete and show off. Here's why. Here's why we do this. I don't think I'm alone. But we do this because we always want to put put the best selves out there for people. We always want to be perceived in the best light. Everybody thinks our lives, you know, are perfect and we've got it all together. 
Can I just ask you a question? Do you ever post a picture of yourself just getting out of bed? <laughs> Drool coming on your cheek. You know, your laundry's all over the bedroom. I never see that on your social media accounts. You never do that. No, what you want is, you want everybody to see how cool you are. When people take pictures, they're like, take it up high, don't get this part, get this part, you know. You want everybody to see just how smart you are and how good looking you are and how happy you are and how fun you are. In fact, the latest statistic that I read, check this out, I put the article up here for you, 71% of people edit all their selfies. They put in filters, they shave off a little fat, I mean, they edit the whole thing. They, see, people don't just post a picture anymore. Everybody's a professional photographer spending time on their brand, their image. See how perfect my marriage is. See how brilliant my children are. Have you ever watched people and all they do is brag on their kids and their grandkids? Oh, it got quiet. Did you hear that? <laughs> Man. Well, at least it's not themselves, but, but you know, I, I saw this book and I thought, this, is, this, this book reflects our generation, the selfie, how we became so self-obsessed. Look how loved I am. You know, here's what's really sad. Some people do this with, you know, spiritual things. It's spiritual showing off. Now, you know what that's called when you spiritually try and show off? That's called self-righteousness. Jesus hated that with the Pharisees. He said everything that they do is for show. They pray for show. They sing for show. They give their offerings for show. God hated that because he said they're hypocrites. This is why Jesus said, be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a good, so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. Now notice, there's that word again that keeps coming up last week and this week. It's the word careful. God's saying, I don't want you to be careless. I want you to be careful. And we, we've been looking at that. You know, I, I know people, and I'm sorry if I'm gonna step on toes for just a minute. You're gonna wanna cancel me, but let me just say this. There are people that they just love to take pictures of themselves having quiet time. And what they say is, I'm gonna spend my, some alone time with God, and then they stage it. You know, they set their Bible up and their candle up. They set their coffee up, you know, and they, say, and they get it all staged. And I just wanna say this to you guys. Listen, you can't be in the moment if you're trying to capture the moment. Let me say that again. You can't be in the moment if you're trying to capture the moment. You're spending so much time obsessing over how people are gonna be impressed that you're spending the time. Watch out for that. Can't be in the moment if you're trying to capture the moment. By the way, I saw this picture online. Valentino showed this to me. Uh, this is a really good picture. There's only one person here that's in the moment. Is that right? Everybody else is trying to capture the moment, but there's one person that's actually enjoying themselves. Now, let's go back. Be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but God's not gonna be applauding. We bear the image of God and we live for an audience of one. That's God. That's 
why he says, go into your quiet place, into your closet, and seek my face. He says, if what you've just done is a good thing, but then you post it on the internet, listen, you better enjoy those views because that's all the reward you're gonna get. Guys, here's the problem. I just wanna speak to the heart here. If you're trying to get your glory from anything other than you're made in the image of God, you're trying to impress people, you're trying to make people envy you, I'm just gonna tell you, in your life, you're gonna be disappointed because you're crafting yourself into the image that you think they want to see. And suddenly, you're not bearing the image of God, you're bearing the image of them. And it'll crush you. You'll never live up to it. It'll devastate you. And then you'll treat other people that way. They'll have to please you because you think that's the way it's done. I wanna tell you something. When you show off, listen, when you show off, you're not actually building bridges with anybody. You're actually building barriers. Do you know that? It doesn't draw you closer to people to show them how perfect you are. All they think is, man, how come their life is so perfect? If you want people to draw close to you, if you want to be a person that people feel they can approach, do the opposite. I'd encourage you to start sharing your problems. Start sharing your addictions. Start sharing your sins. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you'd be healed. Confess what's really going on. Share the problem that Jesus is helping you with and how he's helping you with it. Because then somebody will look at that and go, whoo, I'm not alone. And maybe I want to know that person. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, who made you superior to others? Didn't God give you everything you have? Well, then how could you boast as if it weren't a gift? Anything good that's in your life, God did it, friend. Everything good in me and for me and through me is because of God. Listen to me. The breath you're breathing right now is a gift from God. The heart that you have beating in your chest right now is a gift from God. The brain that I have is a gift from God. The talent that you have is a gift from God. Newsflash, you had nothing to do with it. You know that you didn't born you. You know that, right? You get no credit for that. God gets all the credit and mom gets second most. Dad, he can just hide in the back, back there somewhere. Why in the world would we should, be, should we be proud about this stuff? It's a gift. There's no real reason to brag except that I bear the image of God. Now, you know the problem with the original story? If I can just go back to our base text. The problem with the original story was the reason that they, that, that they wouldn't love other people is because you notice it says a, a priest passed by, but he passed by on the what? other side. He wouldn't go on the side that the hurting person was. No, he's got to go on the other side. He doesn't want to touch anything that's unclean. And then it says, a Levite, boy, a person, a professional administering to the needs of people, he also passes by on the other side. See, people that think that they're better. Galatians 6.3 says, if anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they just deceive themselves. And one more, it says, so be content with who you are and don't put on airs. God's strong right hand is on you. 
He'll promote you at the right time. So none of this, hey, see how cool I am. See how smart I am. See how attractive I am. Only take a picture from up here, not down here. You know, look at my pretty new clothes. You know, people today, it's like they're trying to get famous. It's crazy. People are getting famous by just being on social media. There are people getting famous not by doing anything, but by watching people do things. You go online and you entertain yourself by watching people, watching people do things. And everybody wants to be the key influencer and everybody wants to have a following. And listen, everybody wants to know the key people, you know. Listen, you don't have to know the key people if you know the man who holds the keys. You're an image bearer. If you're a child of God, you're the son of God. You're a son of God, you're a daughter of God. Not the son of God, but you are a son of God and a daughter of God. And so look what it says. It says, so he'll promote you at the right time when he knows you're ready. Guys, I'm just gonna say this to you. You don't need to work in the flesh to get yourself boosted up there. The Lord God can put you at the front of the line at any moment when he knows you're ready. Fifth thing, last thing I'm gonna confess before I give you a couple final points makes it hard for me to love my neighbor is. It relates to all this. I can become addicted to the approval of others. Now, what is it, for example, that makes social media so addicting? I mean, what is it? Can I ask you guys, what is it that you post something and then what do you do? You're like, I have to go back and check. You post and it's like, I have to go back and check. You know, there is a science behind why it's so addicting. Number one, everybody wants the approval of others. Everybody's looking for validation. And when you post something on the internet, and then you're anxiously waiting, you know, I gotta go back and check 20 minutes later. I gotta go back and check. The next day you wake up, oh, there should be a lot, you know, and so you're so excited. You see there's not many, and you're like, oh, I'm terrible. Oh. You know, is anybody gonna like it? Is anybody gonna like it? Then all of a sudden, you know, you hear that ding. Oh. That feels so good. Whoo, ding, I feel so affirmed. Whoo, what's going on? Now listen, here's what's going on. What happens in your brain is, when you hear that little ding or you see that little thumbs up, it releases dopamine in your brain. Do you know that? A few minutes later, you get another ding, more dopamine, whoo, that feels good. They like me, they like me, they like me. Ding, dopamine, ding, dopamine, ding, dopamine. Your problem is you're on drugs. <laughs> when they give, listen, it's the same thing. When they give a rat cocaine, it'll keep going back for another hit. It is a scientific, biological fact that it releases dopamine in your brain. That's why it can become so addicting. Now, here's what's crazy. <laughs> These people that like you, that you're getting drugged off of, they don't even know you. <laughs> they may not even speak your language. They may be a bot. They don't really exist. But you feel so good about yourself. <laughs> Galatians 1.10, Paul, he, he puts it this way. He says, am I trying to win the approval of people? Or am I trying to win the approval of God? 
Am I trying to be a God pleaser or a people pleaser? Boy. James 2.1, dear friends, don't let public opinion influence how you live out our glorious Christ-originated faith. Don't let public opinion determine that. Ecclesiastes says, don't pay attention to everything that people say. But the problem with social media is this. It's primarily what you're doing. You're only concerned with what everyone says. And you let it affect you. So, what do you need? I'm going to close with this. I won't spend much time on it. Let me give you three words to live by as a Christian. And I want you to apply it to social media. Does that sound good? Everybody ready? First word that should mark the character of every Christian's life is the word humility. Write that down. Humility. To begin with, I just want you to consider the example that Jesus gave us. Jesus, Jesus' life is the greatest human life that ever lived. He is our example. And if you ever want to spend a good time in meditation, you'll take your Bible and you'll turn to John 13 and read slowly how Jesus washed his disciples' feet. It's quite a picture. Let's take a quicker look at it. What does it say about Jesus? It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. Now understand, because he knew that, he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, which in that culture would have been humiliating. It's humiliating today. What if I stripped down to my chonies right now, right? I mean, that'd be terrible. He took off his outer clothing. Nobody picture that, please. And he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. But again, why did he do that? He did that because it says he knew where he had come from. He knew that the Father had given all things into his hands. Knowing that he had come from God, he had enough security in himself to take the humble position. You are made in the image of God. He gives you value. You don't need to impress anybody. Second word that you should live by as a Christian. It's another H word. It's not just humility, but it's also hospitality. Hospitality online, on social media. What does this mean? Listen to me, friends. I've said this in so many ways. I'm going to say it again this way. You were made not to be the original but to reflect the original. Everybody wants to be an original. God says, you weren't made to be the original. You were made only to reflect the original. And God says, if you reflect my glory, God says, if you let me be the source of your glory, if you are imaging me everywhere you go in life, you're gonna serve people. Your life will not be about getting a good self-image because you already reflect a God image. You're already made in the image of him who created you. And then you'll go in and you'll be very comfortable serving people and loving people and meeting them wherever they are. Just look at what happens here. It says, the man went to him in our story and he bandaged his wounds and pouring on oil and wine, he takes care of him. 
He's not focused on being so impressive. He's not trying to win arguments or be on top or show everyone his quality. No. You were made not to be the original, but to reflect the original. Guys, do you know what's going wrong when you try and promote yourself? When you try and promote yourself, you're breaking the image of God in yourself because you're making it about you. And you're going to trample on me. And if you do that, if you make your life all about you, then you're going to look at other people and you're going to trample on the image of God in them. But God says, if you remember me, then you'll serve other people because you know they reflect me. And you'll bring life. Who here wants to bring life to other people? In every aspect. You know, I actually saw this um, one time I was camping. I was in this really cold environment. And I actually saw somebody on a bright day. They actually took a mirror. And they put the mirror in such a position that it totally captured the glory of the sun. <laughs> and on the other hand, it didn't just capture the glory of the sun, but it focused it on this little pile of tinder and leaves. And with that sunlight, an adult at this little camp when I was a kid made a campfire. And we were able to have good food. We were able to feel warm. When God says, I want you to be my image bearer, this is exactly what he's talking about. He's saying, I want you to so reflect my glory that you will fill the world with it. And I want you to face me in such a way as you would focus who I am into the lives of others and bring life and warmth. C.S. Lewis was right. Why is it important how you treat people? Because C.S. Lewis, he said it. I already shared it with you. He said, because there really are no ordinary people. Everybody's made in the image of God. He says, your neighbor again, that is the holiest object that you've ever seen. In fact, he goes on to say in his book, The Weight of Glory, it's my favorite C.S. Lewis book of all time. He goes on to say this. Here's what he says. Take a look. He says, the load or weight or burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid on my back. A load so heavy that only humility can carry it. And the backs of the proud will be broken. What's he saying? What's, what does this mean? What, what, is they, what is he saying? He's saying every person who comes across your path, you need to treat with a sacredness, a reverence. Every person you treat with a respect and a concern for their individuality. You don't write people off. You don't take advantage of people so that you could look good. Everyone has reverence. Everyone gets grace. Everyone. It's hospitality. Final word is holiness. It's holiness. It means that, guys, that as people who say we follow Jesus, that we live something different than everybody else. Do you know what holiness means? It means you're not ordinary or common. That's what holiness means. I'm not ordinary. I'm not common. I'm not just doing it the way everybody else does it. But I'm reflecting something of God and his unique character. Let's close with this final scripture. Whether you're online, whether you're watching or here, I want you to read this with me because God says this about you. Everybody with me, it says, but you are a special people, a holy nation, priests and kings, a people given up completely to God 
so that you may make clear the virtues of him who took you out of the dark and into the light of heaven. I pray that's true for you and for me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for every man and woman that's here, every student that's here, every, every person, Lord. And I just ask you would reveal yourself to them in a unique and powerful way. I pray, Jesus, that you would be their encouragement and their hope, that you'd help us to be salt and light in this world um, in every aspect, including how we handle ourselves on social media, on the screens. God, help us to live as your disciples. Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you or what it means to walk with you, I ask God, would you reveal yourself to them? Make yourself known. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.